0: my name is
1: Lauren Blair I'm 18 years old and tomorrow I'm getting on a plane to head to Nashville Tennessee to start my freshman year at Vanderbilt University for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for wholeness and not for evil to give you a future and a hope my family and I started coming to hope about eight years ago and I got plugged in at Refuge Student Ministry about six years ago and I remember the first time I went we were at the Pebble Campus and uh, it seemed really huge to me then, I was only 13 years old and um, I was a Christian when we came to Hope. Um, I'd been saved when I was really little but I didn't really understand what that relationship looked like until I started getting plugged in and um, going over what the church was talking about in small groups and with, um, with my mentors and friends. And In the past few years what I've learned more than anything is that Christianity is nothing more nothing less than loving God. And in order to love God, you have to know who God is. So that's where the whole reading the Bible and getting plugged in with God's people, that's where all that comes in. It isn't something that you check off a to-do list, it's an overflow of that love for God and wanting to know Him better. And it's really taken me out of the whole mindset of religion and earning salvation and more focusing it on grace, which is God giving us salvation and us just being thankful for that. I know that there are people here in this church, people in this city, who are middle school students who are exactly where I was seven years ago, who are looking for something meaningful, something with a purpose. And If I had known back then that this is where I was going to be now, um, if someone had told me that, I wouldn't have believed them, just because it's so crazy where God has brought me.
0: My name is Paul Godhart, and I am the pastor of Life Baptist Church southwest side of Las Vegas. In some ways it would be difficult to try to summarize how much of an impact uh, Pastor Vance, Mike, uh, the team over at Hope and Hope as a Church has really had on our life and on this ministry. Um, But I think some of the the areas I can absolutely go back to and say this is a major part of the influence has come back to helping us understand the importance of relationship. If it were not for the influence of hope, we would not have a focus on relationship with God, relationship with the church, and relationship with the world. That's something that, that God used Vance and Hope in an amazing way in order to help solidify that in our mind. Um, while we've always been involved in missions at other ministries we were part of before, I think the, the impact of hope. Has helped to see the importance of long-term partnerships and finding a place—a difficult place, maybe—in the world, and really investing—not uh, only resources and prayer, but investing people and investing in the infrastructure of a country and investing in the people and doing it for a longer period of time. So those couple of areas would be huge. But you know, it's—it's it's hard to really go back and to say thank you enough for you know the financial support that came from Hope, uh, the people who uh, God called out of hope in order to come and to help us, um, the encouragement of knowing that we're not in a city by ourselves, but rather there is a church that is you know solid biblically and growing and vibrant that looks out for us and says, you know, this church is one of ours. And that just brings a whole lot of security to those who are starting churches to know they're not doing it alone, and they're also not doing it with someone who hasn't already been down that same path. If you believe, and I
2: believe, and Africa will be safe. My name is Shobane Matzeboula, from Swaziland. Swaziland itself, it's one of the smallest countries in, in the world, with a population of less than a million people. With 130,000 offence, 220,000 HIV infected people. I came here for the first time and I never wanted to miss it again because it is so refreshing. We work in difficult conditions as I said. But coming to this place here, it just refreshes your mind, it refreshes your spirit, it renews you. You and go back home with all that power to say, I want to do better than what I did last year. So as I'm leaving here tomorrow, going back to Swaziland, I'm going back with something that God gave to me. And I believe that is something that God has given me to take it back home to my people. So rape Conference, it's, it's, it's really doing a lot to help us as pastors
0: in September of 1999
3: God interrupted my life I was minding my own business as the senior associate pastor of the Kirby Woods Baptist Church in Memphis Tennessee I had a great relationship with the senior pastor there I had known him my whole life He was my father. My dad was the senior pastor of the church where I was serving. We'd been serving together for less than a couple of years there. And everybody kind of thought that the plan was, I thought that the plan was, my dad would retire, which he did about three years ago from the pastorate. And I would step in and become the next senior pastor of our church there, our church Ran close to a couple of thousand people there in Memphis. Our church there was involved in planting churches all over the world. Our church there was giving over a million dollars a year away, investing in the nations and in mission work globally. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful, sweet fellowship of people. And one morning I was having a quiet time sitting in my house there in Memphis, Tennessee, and I read Luke chapter 4 and verse 43. And when I read that verse that morning, here's what that verse said. Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. And as sure as, as, as I was sitting there with my Bible open that morning, when I read those verses, I knew God was speaking directly to my heart and calling my family to uproot and leave memphis when i heard that phrase other cities and kingdom of god i just knew god was calling us to join his activity and reaching another city somewhere in the world to expand god's kingdom for his glory And so i went to christy my wife and i said babe here's what god's doing in my heart and god was doing the same thing in her heart we prayed we put our yes on the table said lord we don't know when we don't know where but the answer is yes now when we said that we were thinking Africa, or China, or India, or somewhere around the world. And two weeks after that morning, a pastor friend of mine from Woodstock, Georgia, Johnny Hunt, called me, and and he was actually in our church. We talked on the phone. He was speaking on a Thursday night event in our church. And after the service, he and I walked out of the, the service together, and he cornered me there in the office. And he said, Vance, I don't know how to say this, but our church... We feel led of the Lord to start a church in Las Vegas, Nevada, the fastest-growing city in North America at that time. And he said, Vance, I feel strongly that you are to be the pastor of that church. Now, when he said Las Vegas, you couldn't have picked a place that was further off of my radar than Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm from Alabama, all right? I, I travel all around the world, and when I travel, I tell people, you know where I grew up? They, they, they don't, nobody from Alabama comes to Las Vegas, and if they do, they don't tell anybody, right? They don't think Las Vegas is hell, but they think you can smell it from here. I mean, it's, they have a strong opinion about our city. So when, when he said Las Vegas, one side of me said, That's the craziest thing I've ever heard, but as soon as he said it, my heart wrapped around it, and we knew this is where God was calling our family. We put a team of people together and Three families and then a few families that begin to connect with us uh, there in our church. I see Eric McDaniel and Vicky sitting over here. They were members at Kirby Woods. Eric, Vicky, you wave at us over there. Eric, Vicky McDaniel were members at Kirby Woods and they felt called of God. They left Memphis and moved out here to be a part of helping us plant this church. And when we got to Las Vegas, we I'd been on the field here for about a week and a half. My telephone rang one day, and I picked up the telephone and. On the other end of the line was a Filipino lady named Letty Peralta. When I picked up the phone, Letty, in, in, in her English, she said, "She said, Pastor, can I tell you a story?" And I'm thinking, I don't know anybody in Las Vegas. And I said to lady, I said, Letty, I don't know a soul here. You can tell me any story you want to tell me. Now, I've since learned in Las Vegas, you better be careful with that offer, because there's some stories in this town. But here's what Letty said. She said, Pastor, I'm from the Philippines. I moved to Hong Kong to make money for my family that was very poor. She said, while living in Hong Kong, I met an American family, moved in with them, became the caretaker of their home. She said, that American family then relocated from Hong Kong all the way to the United States of America in a town north of Atlanta called Woodstock, Georgia. She said, we lived in Woodstock, Georgia for a year and a half. And she said, while I was there, I visited a church called the First Baptist Church of Woodstock, Georgia, and I heard a pastor named Johnny Hunt And God radically changed my life. But she said, Pastor, my family then uprooted again and we were relocated to Las Vegas, Nevada. And she said, Pastor, I've lived in Las Vegas, Nevada for a year and a half and I've prayed every day that the First Baptist Church of Woodstock, Georgia would start a church in Las Vegas, Nevada. She said, Pastor, could you please tell me what church sent you to Las Vegas. You can imagine my reaction on the other end of the line. I I was speechless. I said, well, lady, it was the first Baptist church of Woodstock, Georgia. And in that moment, in that instant on a telephone call, I understood something very significant. God sent us here On a mission. And it wasn't something he was bringing us here to start. You see, God was at work in this city before my family ever got here. God was doing something in Las Vegas. And he had invited us to join in his activity in this city. That would ultimately not only touch this city, but the ends of the earth. For his glory. In two weeks, we're going to celebrate our 10th birthday as a church. In two weeks, it will have been 10 years. It's so hard for me to even wrap my head around that, but 10 years since we launched our first public worship service here in Las Vegas, and what a decade it has been. It has been an unbelievable ride for the last 10 years. Let me just give you a a, a few glimpses. You saw some of the stories of life change and churches being planted and how God's opening doors for us to serve nationals all over the world. But in the last 10 years, we've seen over 25 Hundred people in Las Vegas alone trust Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And over 1,400 of those people have been baptized right here into our fellowship just in the last decade. Lost people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We've had the opportunity over the last decade to literally come alongside of hundreds of families and through your generosity serve them physically and financially and spiritually in meeting needs. We've had the opportunity to serve the, the homeless in our city and teenagers that are in detention centers through ministries that were born right out of this fellowship. Ministries that God called people to right out of this church and now they're serving in our city in a variety of ways. We've we've had had the opportunity to see churches planted out of our fellowship. When God brought us here, it was our desire that we would be able to see 10 churches planted in the first 10 years that we were here. And we've seen that in North America alone. 10 different churches planted from Las Vegas to Boulder City to Tucson, Arizona to Chicago. And we've seen now churches planted all over the world in places like Zimbabwe and Burkina Faso and Kenya and Zambia. God has opened doors to us. We've been able to partner in community transformation. Transformation Projects. If you remember a few years ago as a church, we, we, we partnered in a, and led in a community transformation project here in our own city that did $175,000 renovation in one of the lowest income schools in our city, and then began to duplicate that, and we were able to partner in community transformation projects in Atlanta, Georgia, and New York City, and Denver, Colorado, and Tucson, Arizona, and Birmingham, Alabama, and New Orleans, Louisiana, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Maryland, Memphis, Tennessee, all All across the country. And now we've had the opportunity to partner and train nationals. On four different continents around the world. Places like South Africa and Zambia and Egypt and Thailand and Laos and China. Through those relationships in the last decade. We've seen over ten. Thousand people come to faith in Jesus Christ globally. We've seen thousands of national leaders trained and churches planted in countries all over the world. The, The world may call this sin city but I'm here to tell you tonight that God is alive and at work in the city of Las Vegas. Amen? God's alive and at work here. And as wonderful as this past decade has been, And it's been a journey. As awesome as it's been as a church family to think that a small group of people gathered in a living room 10 years later could literally be working all over the world. As awesome as it's been, it's just the beginning of what God desires to do in and through our fellowship. It's just the beginning. It's been a wonderful decade of ministry. It's it's exceeded anything we could have ever imagined. And yet, what God's going to do is even greater. So as we take this step into the next decade for us as a church family, leading up to our 10th birthday, we're going to take a couple of weekends, and we're going to focus on the mission. We're going to look at some of the truths from Scripture about this mission that God has given us, as a church family, how we are to engage and join in what God's doing all over the world. So if you have your Bible, I want you to open it tonight to Psalm 96. A couple of weeks ago, our pastoral team got away for a couple of days and went up to a place up in Utah, some People in our church have a place up there that they invited us to go and use it. And we just went and we prayed and just really sought the Lord about where we're headed in the future and what God's doing in the life of our fellowship. And one morning we sat down together and we just opened up the Word of God and and just spent some time around the Word together. And we we found ourselves in the 96th Psalm. And when we read the verses that I'm about to read for you, it was as if the Lord said in my heart, man, that's exactly what we need to be talking about. We talk about the mission. Psalm 96, we're going to begin reading in verse number 2. The Bible says, Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Proclaim good tidings of His salvation from day to day. Tell of His glory among the nations. His wonderful deeds among all the peoples for great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. I want to ask and answer four very simple questions this weekend. Here's the first one. What is our mission? When we think about us as a church, when we think about this family of faith, you we think about this fellowship, what is our mission? And I want to give it to you right out of this text of Scripture. Right out of this text of Scripture, we see two anchors as to what our mission is. Here's the first statement I want you to understand. Our mission is to worship. First and foremost, our mission Is to worship. Do you hear how he begins in Psalm ninety-six, verse two? He says, Sing to the Lord, bless. His name. I love this passage of Scripture. It is loaded and saturated with language about the mission. We're about to see some verses where he says, Proclaim His good tidings from day to day. Tell of His glory among the nations. Tell of His deeds among all the peoples of the earth. But before he gets there, before he gets to all that mission language, is an exhortation to worship. Why is that? Let me give it to you in a life-changing reality. My effectiveness in the mission is dependent upon my time spent with the Father in worship. Our effectiveness in the mission is dependent upon my time spent with the Father in worship. He's about to tell us to proclaim to the nations. He's about to tell us to tell of His glory among the peoples of the earth. But He begins by saying, sing to the Lord. You see, the greatest thing that you and I bring into this fellowship, as we come together as the people of God to join in His activity of reaching the world with the gospel, as we join in His activity of seeing our city impacted for the glory of God, as we come together as a fellowship, the greatest thing you and I bring into this fellowship is not our gifts, it's not our resources, it's not our talents, it's not our abilities. The greatest thing we bring is our own personal love, relationship with the Father because everything God desires to do through us as a family of faith He will do out of the overflow of what He's doing in us as we pursue Him intimately John Piper wrote a great book on mission it's called Let the Nations Be Glad I want to read a little section to it I'm going to put it up on the screen listen to what he said Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations in the white, hot enjoyment of God's Glory, but worship is also the fuel of missions. Passion for God in worship precedes the offer of God in preaching. Our effectiveness in the mission is grounded in our worship of God. So, as you and I think about the next decade of ministry, as we think about continuing to join together in what God's doing through our fellowship, the greatest thing we can do is spend time with Him. Personally and daily. The mission is to worship. But secondly, the mission is to share. Our mission is to share. What do you mean by share? Here's what I mean. He he begins to use some words in this psalm like proclaim. The word proclaim is a Hebrew word that that, that carries the idea of of a messenger announcing a message. It's the picture of somebody in the old time that that was kind of the the crier. They would would go out from the king with a message and they would go village to village to village. And they would get there and they would stand in the town square and they would announce the message. They would bring the news to that village. Then he uses the word tell. Tell. Tell of His glory. The word tell is a word that is often used to refer to communication of important information to those who've not yet heard it. Here, the psalmist is describing our mission with these words like proclaim and tell. You and I are to be about sharing the truth. Well, what is it that we're to proclaim? Well, he tells us we're to proclaim His salvation. We're to proclaim His glory. We're to proclaim His deeds. It's all right there in the psalm. His salvation, His glory, His deeds. What's He saying? He's saying you and I, the mission is out of the overflow of a heart of worship. As we spend time with the Father, Christ through us shares the message of the gospel. Who God is and what He has done. You see, the reality is we are not peddlers of philosophy. We are not dispensers of advice, nor are we self-help motivators. We are proclaimers, tellers messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Christ died for our sins. That He was buried and that He rose again from the dead as a testimony that God had accepted His sacrifice for our sins. And now through Him, we can be forgiven of our sin and given by God a relationship with Himself. We are to share The gospel. Here's what I mean by the word share. Let me put it up on the screen. To share means to join in God's activity of proclaiming the gospel locally and globally. That's why God assembled us together ten years ago as a family of faith. God brought us together so that we could join in His activity. Listen, He didn't need us but He By His grace, He invited us to get in on His activity of proclaiming the gospel. What He has done and who He is locally and globally. And you know what this really simply is? It's simply the life of Christ. Let me show it to you. Turn over if you have your Bible open to John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is is what's called the high priestly prayer. I want you to look at how it ends in verses 25 and 26. This is Jesus praying to the Father. And on the screen, I've actually underlined a couple and highlighted a couple of the phrases because I want you to see them. Listen to what it says. Oh, righteous Father, this is Jesus crying out. Although the world has not known you, read that part I've got underlined out loud, yet I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And, read it again, I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. You see the the mission of Christ? To know him and make him known. That's our mission. As a church family, we cannot get sidetracked from that. We can't get caught up doing anything else. We can't get distracted by other things, especially as we think about moving into a campus in a few months and having a place we can call our own. We cannot get sidetracked. We have one mission and one mission only, and that is to know Him and to make Him known. That's our mission. Then the second question I want to ask and answer is this. Where? Are we to be on mission? Where are we to be on mission? The psalmist here uses three different phrases to speak to this idea of the scope of our mission. He uses the phrase, proclaim from day to day. Tell of His glory among the nations. Tell of His deeds among all the peoples. Each of those phrases speaks to an idea of the scope of our mission. He begins by saying, day to day. He starts by using this phrase that describes the continuous activity of our lives and it expresses our mission to share the gospel where we live. Let me tell you where the mission starts. Not when you get on a plane. The mission starts when you get out of bed. We can begin to think about this idea of the mission, and we start thinking exclusively about getting on a plane and going to some country around the world. But listen to me. The mission, he says, is something you do day to day. It's continuous. It's something that we always live with the understanding that I'm on mission with God. My family, my neighbors, my friends, my coworkers, my classmates, all of these are people that God's put in my life, and I'm to live my life on mission with Him to make Him known. Day by day. It really describes, for us, Las Vegas. The starting point of the mission for us is Las Vegas. God called us, God birthed our church to reach this city. And listen to me our city is lost. Our city's lost. Did you know that there have been studies done in our city and the studies show 95% of the people who live in Las Vegas, the metropolitan area, 95% of them do not have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I not you to let that sink in for a minute. We can be all excited. Ten years, God's given us a wonderful group of people. We're about to move in a building, and that's all great. There's nothing wrong with any of that. We can't lose sight of the mission. 95% of our city is lost. Here's what that means. Nine out of ten people who live on your street do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nine out of ten people at your job do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're a student, nine out of ten students in your school do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you go to the mall or to Walmart or the grocery store, Nine out of ten people you pass by. Here's what that means. If Jesus returns tomorrow, nine out of ten people that you just sat with at a restaurant or you're about to sit with at a restaurant after the service, nine out of ten of them, if Jesus returned tomorrow, would spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. I want you to see it. Imagine for just a moment, we are all of Las Vegas. You represent the entire population of our city. If you have a blue dot on the chair in front of you, look at the chair in front of you. If there's a blue dot, I want you to stand up. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just stand up for a minute. All right, just remain standing for a minute. Look around. The people standing represent Christians in Las Vegas. Now think about it. Think about it. Just stand up for a minute. And think about it. Everybody else is lost. That's our city. Everybody else is lost. You can be seated. listen God did not birth this church so that we could be a holy huddle to fellowship and pray and meet one another's needs he birthed this church so that we could be on mission with him to penetrate the lostness of this city so let me ask you a question are you living the mission? now I want you to really think about these next two questions. I do not want you to answer out loud. But I want you to think about it in your heart. When's the last time you shared the gospel of Christ with someone who is lost? It's right here. Day by day, continuously. You and I, that's not the job of the preachers. It's not the job of the missionaries. It's all of us. God put us here as a missionary in a city that is lost. When is the last time you personally shared the gospel with somebody who's lost? Let me ask it another way. Who in your life are you intentionally praying for and looking for ways to share the gospel of Christ with who's lost? But it's not just about Las Vegas. He then moves on in these verses to say, Among The nations. This this term begins to widen the scope of our mission. It's not just uh, just about the city where we live. It it geographically begins to move beyond the city where we live. Here's the reality. We're not just called to penetrate the lostness of Las Vegas. As a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not just that we're to share Christ with the people around us. We're to to be telling of His glory among the nations. It, It gets broader than just where we live. That requires intentionality. I want to put a list of four countries up on the screen. China, India, Indonesia, and the United States of America. You know what these four countries have in common? Numerically, they're the four largest lost nations on planet Earth. China, number one. India is number two, Indonesia is number three, and out of 196 countries on planet earth, God bless America is number four of the most lost nations on the planet from a population standpoint. Over 220 million people in the United States of America have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 220 million. Did you know that North America is the only continent on the planet where Christianity is not growing? North America, the only continent on planet Earth where Christianity... What an indictment against the church in America when we have 95% of the Christian resources in the world and yet our country is going to hell in a handbasket. Whose responsibility is that? God birthed our church to be about reaching the lostness of America. Hey, did you know that 40% of the lostness in America lives in the western United States? 40, almost half, almost half of the lost people on the fourth largest lost nation on the planet live in the western United States. Let me tell you what that means. Let me put this point up on the screen. When God birthed our church, He did so in the center of the fourth largest numerical mission field on planet Earth. You know what that means? Opportunity. God put us here strategically for a reason, not just so we could build a building and move in and have warm fuzzies, no, God put us here to be about penetrating the lostness of the western United States one church can't do that by themselves, how do we do that then, we have to multiply and plant why at Hope are we always giving away money and sending out church planters why have we started 10 churches in the first 10 years and we're launching 5 new churches in January in Hawaii, in Salt Lake City in Vancouver, British Columbia and Bozeman, Montana and Sandy Diego, California. Why are we launching five? Because God birthed our church to reach the West. We have a mission. But it doesn't stop there. In the next phrase he says, among all the peoples. The word all is a Hebrew word that means the whole or everyone and That that phrase, peoples, is a word that doesn't just refer to nations, it refers to ethno-linguistic groups in the world, people groups. You see, there are 196 nations in the world, but in those 196 nations, there are over 11,000 different people groups. A people group has their own unique language, culture, history, customs. 11,000 different peoples. That's the word that's used here in in the Hebrew text. Peoples of the earth. The the ethno-linguistic peoples of the earth. Over 11,000 of them. Representing almost 7 billion people on this planet that we live with. Of those 11,000 people groups, 6,700 people groups are what missiologists call unreached That's 1.5 billion people that have little or no access at all to the gospel. Meaning if they wanted to hear about Christ, the first thing they'd have to do is learn another language. Because the gospel is not readily available in their language. Of those 6,700 people groups that are unreached, 3,684 of them are unengaged. What does that mean? Here's what it means. From a missiological standpoint, it means there are 3,684 people groups that aren't even on anybody's radar. There's no mission organization. There's no church. There's no denomination that has said, we'll take those people and we'll get the gospel to them. Now think about this. Almost every one of those people groups have Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is a 125-year-old soda pop company. And they've taken their message to every people on the planet. 2,000 years ago the God of heaven broke into humanity and gave His life to redeem a people to Himself and there are still 3,700 people groups that aren't even on anybody's radar. Whose responsibility is that? It's our responsibility. You see, when God birthed our church, here's another point I want you to see. When God birthed our church, He had the nations on His heart. You heard Shabani on the video earlier. Shabani, I met him seven years ago in South Africa at a conference where we train several hundred nationals every December from 14 countries in Southern Africa. They then in turn go back and train thousands and plant churches. We work in some places around the world where some of those people groups live. You need to know, as a church family, we've already decided we're taking on two or three of those 3,684 people groups. And if it takes us the next 50 years, we will do whatever it takes. To see that those people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. When God birthed our church, it was never just about us. God was at work all over the world and He was inviting us to get in on it. Let me give you the third question why are we to be on mission why are we to be on mission verse 4 for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised let me tell you why Why? We're to be on mission. Because God is worth it. He's great. He's great. He deserves to be worshipped among the peoples of the earth. And we are called to give our lives to the mission of taking the gospel to the peoples of the earth. John Piper also said this. He said, missions begins and ends in worship. It's a heart of worship that compels us And it's God being worshipped among the peoples of the earth that is the result of our being compelled to go and tell and proclaim. It's worship. Then there's one last question. How? How can I share in the mission? How can I share? And I want to close this weekend just a little bit differently. I'm going to close by giving you a two-fold challenge. And it leads us right up to our 10th birthday in two weeks. The first word I want you to wrap your heart around is the word Invite. September 24th and 25th, the last Sunday, Saturday and Sunday of this month, we're going to celebrate our 10th anniversary by trying to reach as many lost people in Las Vegas as we possibly can. I've invited a very good personal friend of mine named David Nasser to come. And David will be sharing his story in each of our services that weekend. David was born in Iran. At the age of nine his family fled in 1979 the country of Iran during the revolution that was taking place there. They came to the United States of America as Muslim refugees. As an 18 year old David Nasser gave his heart and life Jesus Christ through a miraculous story and now God's used him to speak to tens of thousands of people all over the world sharing the gospel and literally he's seen hundreds of thousands of people give their life to Christ September 24th and 25th he'll be here with us here's what I'm going to ask you to do Between now and then, in honor of our 10th birthday, I'm asking you to invite 10 people. Every one of us. Not just a few. Every one of us. I'm asking you to invite 10 people. And I want you to really invite 10 people that don't know Christ. Don't go inviting somebody else from another church. We didn't come here to reach people in another church. They know Jesus. It's not going to be hard to find them. Nine out of every ten you bump into fit the category. Ten people. When you came in today in your seat, you either have a yellow, a blue, or a white piece of paper like this. I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I want you to go ahead and write the name. I've already written a name on mine. Of the first of those ten people. Somebody you know who's lost. Co-worker, family member. And here's what you're doing when you write this name on this paper. all right, You're making a covenant with God. That between now and the 24th and 25th of this month, you're going to pray every day for this person. And you're going to do everything you can to make sure they're here with you that weekend. Here's my prayer. This weekend and next, we get a thousand names on these cards. Listen to me. What if, what if a thousand lost people were here that weekend? And the gospel was, what if a thousand people gave their life to Jesus Christ in one weekend in Las Vegas? Could that really happen? All I know is he's done it before in that book. And he's the same God. I want you to write a name down. I want you to hang on to it. Invite. Here's the second challenge invest invest it's no surprise to anyone in this room that the last couple of years have been extremely challenging in the city of Las Vegas from a financial perspective it's also been extremely challenging for churches i talked to two pastors this week of two large churches here in Las Vegas that one of them has been here over 20 years And both of them told me the last two years have been the most difficult financial years their church has ever experienced. Now, it shouldn't be a surprise because for most people, it's been the most difficult financial two years that people living in this town have ever experienced. As a church family, we've not been immune from those challenges. We have walked through those as well, but God's been faithful. I mean, you think about it, over the last two years, this difficult economy, and yet God's allowed us to move towards building a new campus. We've opened a campus in Boulder City. God's been doing unbelievable things. We're so close to taking that step of getting that launching pad to continue joining in the mission to reach locally and globally. But I'm going to be honest with you. The next four to five months, between now and the time we move in, are going to be extremely difficult for us as a church family. Some of you understand what I mean when I say right now we're making two house payments. You see, right now we spend about $35,000 a month in rent here and our office space that we have over on Eastern. On top of that now, because we're in the middle of a construction project, we're paying over $40,000 in interest on construction loans while the project is taking place. So combined, it's close to $80,000 a month just in facilities. Now, when we move in our new campus, that 80 dollars is going down to $52,000 a month. So we're going to be paying less to be there than we are to be here right now. But that's four to five months away. And as a staff team, we've been praying for a couple of weeks because the next four to five months are going to be a challenge while we're making those two payments and depending on what God provides through your generosity we got to make some really hard decisions between now and the time we move in some things that could affect the way we're able to do ministry over the next four to five months so here's what I'm asking you to pray about between now and the time we move in four to five months in honor of our tenth birthday I'm asking you to do two things To pray about, number one, giving $10 per week more than you currently give. Just making it over. If we all do it together, it's not a big sacrifice. If we all do it together, we can make this transition happen. $10 a week more than I'm currently giving right now. As an over and above sacrificial gift to continue to invest in the mission that God's called us to here at Hope. And then on the last weekend of this month, I'm asking you to pray about that weekend giving a double offering. Whatever your normal offering is, you pray about an extra 10%. Whatever that is, the Bible calls us to tithe, to give 10% of our income. But that weekend to pray about giving a double tithe. As a birthday gift to the Lord for what He's done in and through our lives over the last decade together. Now, here's what I know. Some of you cannot do that. I'm not asking everybody to do it. I'm asking everybody to pray. If you can, I know there's some people in this town, you don't have anything. I understand that. I'm not asking everybody... Some of us can do that. Some of us can do more than that to stand in the gap for some people in our fellowship that can't do that. I'm asking every one of us to pray. And starting this weekend, if every one of us, you think about a thousand adults, we actually have more than that in a weekend event, but if just a thousand adults would give an extra $10 a week, the the impact that that could have to help us Over the next four to five months as we're making this transition into a new campus. We've been wrestling with it all week as a team. Friday morning at 4.30. God woke me up. At 4.30 Friday morning, the Lord put it on my heart to lay this challenge before you. $10 a week and pray about the last weekend of this month. Giving a double type. And if God doesn't lead you to do that, listen to me, listen to me carefully. Do not do it. Don't do it. But if the Lord speaks and gives you the liberty, would you invite and would you invest for the glory and honor of God?